I would like to share a message with you today that, Lord willing, I plan to share a week from tonight at our baccalaureate service. And I've been preparing this message for a long time for the baccalaureate service, and then I felt led to share it with you first this morning as we are honoring our seniors and we have several of them with us here in the house this morning. But I want you to know that this is a message for absolutely everyone, male and female. If you are younger or you're more experienced. Did you like how I said more experienced? I want to share a message with you today that's titled... Power over passion. Power over passion. Our text is going to be just one verse, although I'm going to read several verses this morning. But if you would turn with me to the New Testament, and we're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts chapter 1. I've had the honor, and it is a humbling honor, uh, to be asked by the 2021 graduating drumwright class to speak at the baccalaureate next Sunday night. And I don't know that I've ever prefaced a message with, I'm going to deliver this again in a week. And I'm not sure what the Lord's up to and all that, but uh, I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit and His leading because He's got it all figured out and I don't have to. If you turn there to Acts chapter 1, I want to talk to you about someone very quickly named Agnes. Lady named Agnes Ganja Boy Jehu. It's a unique name, probably a name I would guess that none of you have ever heard of. Agnes. Ganja Boy Jehu. She felt a call to ministry when she was a teenager. And she did her ministerial training in Ireland and in India. And then after that time, she approached her overseers one day. And she said to her superiors that God had ordained a passion within her. And she went to them and she said, I have three pennies and I am going to build an orphanage with these three cents. Her superiors said to her, Agnes, you cannot build an orphanage with three pennies. In fact, you can't do anything with three cents. Agnes simply smiled and said, I know. But with God and three cents... I can do anything. With God and three cents, I can do anything. Now, I've heard a lot of people give their two cents. And she raised the stakes and said, I want to give three. For the first 50 years, Agnes worked among the poor in the slums of Calcutta, India. And in 1979, the woman known as Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize 
So my question is, what can you do with three cents in your almighty God and Father? Never underestimate someone who has the courage to come out of their cage and pursue a godly, holy passion. Now, this morning we were talking about power over passion. And I want to encourage you in this. It was toward the end of Mother Teresa's ministry that many admirers came to her and they noticed how she made such a wonderful difference in her, in her life and in the lives of others. And they how can we lead like you? How can we be like you, Mother Teresa? The world would know her no longer as Agnes, but Mother Teresa, a woman who reached out and touched people's lives. And she always said the same four words. Find your own Calcutta. Find your own Calcutta. Find your own place where you can cast your rod and reel with three cents and the power of Almighty God and reel that in and watch what God does. Let God ordain your passion. We live in a world today that that, that tells us, follow your passions. Follow your passions. Follow your heart. I think that's terrible advice. Because my heart, I'm saying for me, my heart leads me astray every time. I have followed my heart all the way to Brahms so many times and I've left feeling miserable. I'm good at, when, at, at the beginning and then I leave. I'm like, why did I have that extra ice cream? I followed my heart to Pizza Hut a lot of times. I followed my heart to Burnco Barbecue. Has anybody been to that heavenly place? Thank God. That place is ordained by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure of it. They have this thing called the fatty. It's sausage wrapped in bacon, wrapped in more sausage, wrapped in more bacon, and then smoked. And then I get smoked. (laughs) My, My heart's a terrible thing to follow, but that's what people say. Follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your passion. It's terrible advice for me. What do we do? Power over passion. What our world needs today is a tap into power. Because then the passion of God will follow. I want us to look in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's one verse, and this is Jesus talking. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a message, it's a scripture of power. The power of the word of God. There's three different things that I want us to see out of this passage. And the first one is this, that God's power will lead us as we bear witness to his word. God's power will lead us as we bear witness to his word. That's the first point. Now, you might be asking, you might be saying right now, I didn't know that that bears could give a witness. It's not talking about a black bear or a grizzly bear. Or any other kind of bear. It's talking about carrying. Again, God's power will lead us as we bear witness to His Word. We've got to understand that. Now, now let's look at an example of a person who was there on the day that Jesus said this. Peter was there, the Apostle Peter. And he was standing right there in the place when Jesus spoke these words, and then he ascended to heaven. And then if 
you can flip over if you want, or you can just let me tell you about it. In the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, Peter found out about a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was an Italian centurion, and the Bible says that he had prayed and he had been giving an offering to God on a regular basis, and God sent a heavenly angel to visit him, and he said, look, Cornelius, because you have been praying and you've been seeking the face of God and you've been sacrificing, you've been giving sacrificially, God's going to send you a man named Peter to talk to you. And so then he says, Peter will come to your house because of your prayers. But see, God also had to work on Peter as well. He had to work on Peter. Because Peter is a Jew and Cornelius is a Gentile. And about that same time, Peter is on a rooftop and he is, he's, uh, he, it's the, in the heat of the day and it feels really good. You know, like on those days, if you have a hammock, I have a hammock at home, and I love it on sunny days. And he's, he's up there on the roof, and then all of a sudden, it says that he goes into a trance or he sees a vision. And, and when he's looking at this vision, there is a sheet that's coming down from heaven. And in this blanket, if you will, are all kinds of things that Peter has not been allowed to eat, and it's not because he's on a keto diet. It's because he is on a Levitical diet. And the Levitical law says, you cannot eat crawfish, Peter. Can't have a crawfish boil. Can't have a shrimp boil. Can't have an all-you-can-eat catfish with hush puppies and coleslaw. He cannot have barbecue pork ribs. And all these things are in there. I know it's bad. And Peter looks at all these things, and he hears the Spirit of God say, get up and eat. And Peter said, I can't do that because it violates the law. It violates the law, the law that I'm familiar with, the law that I, that I have given myself to. And not only that, God, they're unclean. And God says, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And this was a prelude to what was going to happen when Peter went to Cornelius' house because Cornelius was a Gentile. You don't mix with them. Gentiles don't mix with Jews. But they did that day. And the reason they did was because of power. Somebody say power. Now, this is why it's so important that Peter listened to the voice of the Lord. In Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 15, it says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. This is Romans 10, verse 12 through 15. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who can call upon Him. For, er for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Then in verse 14, it says, How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? This is Romans 10 and verse 15. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, I got a question for you. Why didn't God just have the angel who showed up at Cornelius' house go ahead and preach the message. That, that would have been a lot better, wouldn't it? No. For so many reasons. If an angel of the Lord showed up here to preach from this pulpit instead of me, because there's no angel here this morning. Well, I expected at least one amen. <laughs> Bless you for that. But if an angel of the Lord stepped in this, on this platform to speak to us, 
I'm not sure that we would all stick around, could stick around. The truth, the sharpness. But here's the main reason why the angel couldn't do it and why an angel's not here in the pulpit this morning. Because angels can't bear witness to the salvation works of Jesus Christ. The Bible says they even look in on it as a mystery, and they're trying to figure it out. But Peter could bear witness. Peter knew what it was like to be lost and to be stuck at a dead-end job where he was doing nothing but net all the time. He was not a basketball player. He was a fisherman. Nothing but net every day, pulling in the fish. Because daddy did that, granddaddy did it, and, and, quite, and it's quite possible that great-great-granddad did that. And Jesus said, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then when he did, remember it? It was his mouth that was always getting him in trouble. He was telling Jesus he can't be crucified. Jesus rebuked him. He was telling Jesus, I'll never, never deny you. He denied him three times. He was always jumping ahead of the game. He was cutting people's ears off. Peter was just a mess, right? And yet... God saved him, and God redeemed him, and God called him, and God empowered him, and God anointed him, and now he's going to the house of Cornelius to bear witness. And how does he do it? He does it through the power of Almighty God. Somebody say power. So angels can't bear witness. Only humanity can plug in to revelation. Now, all of my life, I've heard people say, well, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. When I was a kid, I have a drug And you know what they're talking about? Mom and dad, they dragged me to Sunday school. They dragged me to Sunday morning service. They dragged me to prayer meeting. They dragged me to Sunday night. They were, they were dragging me to Wednesday night. I had a drug problem. They just dragged me everywhere. That's what they say. They were just dragging me everywhere. That's all they did. They just, drag, they just pulled me along. Come on. Come on, Kevin. Let's go to church. Just dragging me everywhere. Don't want to be drugged to church. Don't want to be made to go. You know what I'm convinced of? I like this heater. I really do. I hope it still works. This heater sets in my bathroom. And man, it's, it's nice. But let me show you what can happen. You can come to church. You can be drugged to church or you can be dragged to church. Let's use good grammar since it's senior Sunday. <clears throat> and you can get this close and never plug in. And you can leave exactly the same you can. And that's what happens. That's what, that's what has happened to me many times. I come this close to the presence of God, and there's not a mother, a father, grandmother, grandfather, there's not a pastor, preacher, teacher, apostle that can make me plug in to receive what God has. Peter chose to plug in. Because I can sit here and hold these two, I can hold them just like this parallel and go, man, man, I, I hope I get something out of this. You can be anywhere, you can be anywhere and come this close and never engage. You can live in the same house for years and never be intimate. You can work the same job for 25 years and never give a rip about it. Right? You can come to church voluntarily or involuntarily, but until you engage... Until you plug in, now we got the heat going. Now we got things working. Peter plugged in to what God was doing. 
he decided, I'm going to plug in. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And by the way, parents, let me talk to you for just a moment. There is absolutely nothing wrong with setting a standard to say, today is Sunday, we are going to church. Today is Sunday, we are going to church. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with setting that standard. Now, I say that in grace. Let me help you out a little bit, parents, if I may. Students, kids, see, I've lived long enough to know, I, in my eyes, 19, 18, 17-year-olds is still a kid. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> it's, it's, you're not immature. I didn't say that. You're very mature. But, hey, insurance Insurance don't even let you off the hook until you're 25, right? You got to pay the higher premium. I know. But students, let me tell you something. Your parents drag themselves to every class event. They drag themselves to every sporting event. They drag themselves to every other thing that you have going on. They drag themselves to this. They drag themselves to that. They drag themselves out of bed to fix you the breakfast that you only half eat. They drag themselves here and there, and they do it all for you. The least you could give them is an hour and a half on a Sunday. I'm preaching good this morning, y'all. Woo! They're investing into your life because they love you. They love you. Your parents, they invest in that. Now, listen, like I said, you can, you can go anywhere and never get plugged in. I, I, I was searching for this before this message. I was searching for one of those. I, I texted a couple of people. I said, do you have one of those flashlights that you wind up and you turn on or a radio that you wind up and turn on and i couldn't find anything nobody had anything so i i found i got the the closest thing that i had and i'm on three tim i hope that's okay do you know what a hurdy-gurdy is anybody know what a hurdy-gurdy is yeah i know well this is this is what it is isn't that cute And the only reason you can hear it is because I have it on this right now. But if I take it out here like this and I, and I crank this, this is one of those things, you know, they used to use it. The little monkey would crank the handle. And you know what happens? You want, you want to know the reason why we don't have power in our life? Because we spend our whole life just going through trying to wind ourselves up. Yeah. It'll get you. We try to wind ourselves up. If I can just keep myself wound up, keep myself motivated, if I can just keep myself, I think, you know, I didn't plan on using this until this morning, this little illustration, because I was looking for one of those other ones. But I think it's quite ironic that the name of this song is, does anybody know it? Beautiful Dreamer. What a dream that we live in when we think we can empower ourselves, follow our own heart and passion, and skip the power of Almighty God that He designed us to have. I want to give you my second point real quick out of Acts chapter 1. It's this. My passion will deceive me because it always takes the focus off Jesus. My passion will deceive me because it always takes the focus off of Jesus. 
Now, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, the, the verse previous to that, it says, Jesus, or, uh, J- Jesus says to the disciples, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set in his own authority. Because they wanted to know, they said, when will you restore the kingdom back to Israel? They wanted to know the dates and the details of Israel's restoration. See, their wording was correct, but their definition was way off. Their wording was correct, but their definition is way off. How many times has the wording been correct, but the definition is way off? What the world needs now is... That's a good pitch right there, yeah. Yeah. And so we're looking for it, and we're wanting it, and we're hardwired to receive it, And we got the right word, but the definition. How many times do people go searching for the definition of what love is and they miss the mark? You know, that's the definition of sin, is missing the mark. It's it's when you're looking for something, you got the word right, but the definition is wrong. The definition is wrong, but words are so important. Words are so important, because words like power. But the issue here is with passion. Passion gets the wording right, but motives can be totally off. Let me prove it to you. Romans 7 and verse 5 says, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Titus 2 and verse 12, it teaches us, that it teaches us to say no to godliness. This is the righteousness of God. Go, no to ungodliness, rather, and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Titus 3.3 3 says, At one time you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. The word is right, passion, yes. And I'm sure I've, I've met parents who, they, they're, they're, they say, well, I wish my kid had more passion, more drive. Well, they are very passionate. They're just not passionate of what you want them to be passionate about. They're very passionate. Every person has a passion inside, something that makes you get up in the morning, something that makes you want to keep going, something that you can't get enough of. That's a passion. That's a passion. Listen, passion is not bad. God created you to have passion. You have feeling with passion. You share passion. Passion is not the problem. It's the source of the passion. I've talked to many people over the years. They're afraid that when I get saved, then God's going to numb all of my passions. No, it's sin that makes you numb. It's when you get born again that you really start feeling That's when your senses come alive, when you are born again. You don't realize that when when the world has you numb to things, because the Bible says that we were once dead in the trespasses of our sin. So the passion is, is not necessarily the problem, it's the source of the passion. See, it's the power of God that brings true and lasting passion. That's why I say this morning, power over passion. I don't trust my feelings because they can't be trusted. Even after all of these years of following 
the Lord Jesus Christ. If I go based on just my feelings, on Kevin's feelings, now I can hope that God's going to renew and sanctify the feelings that I have inside of me so that I can be pointed in the right direction. But there's a lot of times where I have went by my feelings and I thought, man, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or that didn't work out. It brings me to my last and final point. It's this. Let God's power lead you, and then pure passion will follow. Let God's power lead you, and then pure passion will follow. Now, how do you let God's power lead you? Well, you have to receive God's power for it to take effect in your life. You have to receive it. Jesus told his disciples, and you will receive the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. Now, there's, there's at least three different things about that statement right there. The first one is this. When you receive something, it is not forced on you. Like I said, I can take, I can take this right here. And I can lay it every which way. I can tie it to this. But unless it's received, there's not a connection. You cannot receive something that's forced on you. God's not about to force himself on you. He won't. He won't force his works on you. He won't force his power on you. You've got to be receptive. So that's why Jesus said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The second thing is the word when. You'll receive the Holy Spirit or, or you receive power when. When indicates that it's conditional by something. In this case, it's conditional by the Holy Spirit and not by some other force. Meaning, you can claim to have anything, but unless you have the evidence to verify the condition, what you claim doesn't mean much. I can claim to be a millionaire. I can say, I'm a millionaire. Hi, I'm a millionaire. But, in, but it's only until you look in my bank account when you see seven digits in my bank account that I can ever verify the claim, right? You can claim to have a lot of things. You can claim, for example, to be a successful entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm, I'm business-minded. But it doesn't mean anything if you don't have a business, if you don't have an open clothes sign to flip around or to turn on. But when you walk through my doors because you need something from me that I can sell you, then maybe perhaps I can say I'm an entrepreneur or a businessman. I can claim that I go to a church on fire. But it doesn't mean anything if the fire of God is not there. And let me say, by the way, that the fire of God doesn't look like hype. And that's not what we're about. But what we are about is the same passion that you see anywhere else in the world when people get all juiced up about something they're excited about. And I've seen it a lot in my day. I've seen people amped up, man. They are excited about it. They're excited to go, let's go, let's go, let's roll, let's do this. They're excited. We're talking about when, when, when you realize how lost 
and how dead you were in the trespasses of your sin, and that Jesus miraculously brought you back to life, and that you have life eternal through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I know a few people who were bound by drugs and alcohol and various addictions, who God brought them out and, and, he, and he set them apart and He gave them a new start and a new life. And they came out of that and they said, thank God, because they were right near death. And they have no other, no other option than to... They can't help but to rejoice because it's their passion. It's their passion. See, when, 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 that's, there's that word when. He said, you will receive power when, when the lost are saved. When the bound are delivered, when the sick are healed, then we can know. Yes, I'm a part of a church on fire. I'm a part of a church on fire. They're on fire for God. They have passion because they have power to lead them. In church, I want to tell you, I, I, I don't know, I, I assume, I don't know. I'm not going to figure it out. I just want to be led by the Holy Spirit that quite possibly this message might come out a whole lot differently next Sunday night. Because I don't know how many of our seniors, the 34 seniors that we have, are Christ followers. They're nominal Christians. Or they, they're agnostic. They don't believe in God at all. I don't know. But I, I, know they, I know every single one of us in this room have something in common. And all of those seniors have something in common. And that's called purpose. There's not a person on the face of the earth that want to know. They, they want to know. They have to know, does my life really make a difference? It's born in us. It's part of our DNA. We are active individuals. It's so appropriate, Pastor Caleb said, activate, because that's what we're all about. When somebody tells us to activate, we know how to do it. And if we don't know how to do it, we figure it out. We're very industrial that way. There's only one thing that we can't figure out for ourselves, though. John 14, 6, Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's only one thing that we haven't been able to figure, it out, figure out, and that is make our own way to salvation. Make our own way to heaven. In Babel, they tried to build a tower. And throughout the centuries, uh, people have tried to merit their self to eternal life and shake off the chains of sin, but they can't do it on their own. They've got to have power to do it. And where does that power come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. See, some people are afraid of letting God lead them because they think they're going to end up doing something they hate or wasting their life. No, sir. No, ma'am. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, which is what? Dissipation. What does that word dissipation mean in the Greek? I know that you probably hear pastors say that all the time. You know what this or that means in the Greek? And they could say anything they want. That's why you should cross-check me. For real. But it literally means wasted. It means wasted. Why would you waste your life? Why would you waste your life? Nobody wants to know that their life was a waste. Because it's, it's born in us. We want to be uh, significant. We want to be valued. And so they feel like, well, I'll end up hating my life or wasting my life. No, you've got to realize when the power of God moves in your life, then pure passions follow, and that's when you really start living. Remember that old song, I just started living? I found me a brand new life. I've changed my direction. 
Oh man, I love that song. I just now started living. You know, to, to, to those of you, to the six or seven seniors that are in here this morning, however many we have with us today, the very next question that adults are going to ask you is what do you do for a... That's right. What do you do for a living? And then they're going to ask you, who are you going to marry? And then you're going to, you're going to, get, you're going to feel this pressure to hurry up and get married. I almost said you're going to hurry up and get married. No, you're not. And take your time. But you're going to feel this pressure. And when you get married, then adults are going to say, when are you going to have a... Yeah, and you're going to have one. And then they're going to say, where's the next one? Right? And then where's the next one? There's always this pressure, always this pressure. Why? Because there's always this drive. I've got to measure up. I've got to check off the boxes. I've got to be complete. I've got to do... And listen, all of those things are wonderful. Having kids, wonderful. I wouldn't have it any other way. Having a job, having a living, having companionship, so wonderful. Every one of it, God bless it. He says, I bless it, I bless it, I bless it. How many knows God blesses your job? Oh, you better believe it. If you don't believe God blesses your job then get in the job that God's blessing. <laughs> yes, He does. God blesses those things. But listen, there's nothing like being in the middle of those. And I've worked in the marketplace before and now I work in vocational ministry. There's nothing like being in the middle of God's will because that's where the power comes and then the passion follows. The problem is, is that... Uh, Pastor, if you would, go ahead and come. The problem is, is that what stops us from, from stepping in to engaging with God and plugging into that power is because we have plans. We say, I've got plans. And listen, you should have plans. I'm a planner. I love having plans. I've got a plan. Parents, if your children say, well, I don't know. They got a plan. Trust me. I think it was, I think it was three days before enrollment in the month of August, 1999, and I did not know where I was going to go to Bible college. I knew I was supposed to go to Bible college. I did not want to go. I could have, I could have gotten a scholarship at K-State, WSU, KU. Not, whether or not you're a Jayhawk fan or a Wildcat, I don't, it doesn't matter. I was just saying, I was going for a music degree. I, God said, no, I want you to go to seminary. So I decided I'd strike a deal with God. My parents dr drove me all the way down to Waxahachie, Texas to Southwestern University. And I knew the moment my feet hit that campus, I, you're not supposed to be here. I looked at CBC in Springfield. I looked at Evangel in Springfield. My parents drove me to ORU. I looked at my mom and dad. I'll never forget this. We were sitting at uh, lunch there in the in the main dining hall, and I looked at my mom and dad, and they were looking down at an enrollment paper. And they just, they just looked at me. And they didn't say a word, but their face said, Son, there's no way on earth we can afford this. And I was wrestling with God, because I had plans. I did not want to go to seminary. I want to go get my music degree. I want to move to Nashville. I want to be single the rest of my life. I got plans, God. I got plans. 
Oh, we have plans. The planet Earth that you're on right now will make one full rotation in the next 24 hours. Think about that. And while you're spinning around in this 24 hours, you're going 66,600 miles an hour. You will have traveled before the day's done 1.3 million miles in your trek around the sun, and you have plans. <laughs> the only reason you traveled that distance is because God allowed you to be here in the first place, and you have plans. We say that, I have plans. When really, you're on God's trip. You're going God's speed. He's sending you 66,600 miles an hour through the universe right now. And the only way you're doing it is through His grace. Really, you should be hearing the Holy Spirit say, Keep all arms, hands, legs, and side. Please stay seated and enjoy your ride. Because you know what happens when we do enjoy the ride? We plug into the power of God and we're like, yes, 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 yes. Power of God, fill my life. Power of God, fill my life. Listen, there have been a lot. There, I, you are not looking at a person this, this morning that's had perfect planning. Perfect outcomes. I've made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. I shared my testimony a couple of months ago. How right after I finished going to Bible, Bible college, right after that, when I came home, I walked across the Arkansas Bridge in Arkansas City, Kansas, and I gave it a really long, hard thought because I thought that was my only way out. I felt powerless. I felt ashamed. I felt disgraced. I felt alone. A lot of things. And it was the power of God that kept me walking. Did you know the Bible describes faith as what? It says, I walk by faith. I walk by faith. Faith is a walk. Faith is not a standstill. It takes faith to stand still, yes. And, and we have to wait on the Lord. But faith is a walk because, here's why. Because that firm foundation we were singing about earlier, every step is a hesitation to say, is this going to work out? Is this going to work out? And it's the power of the Holy, the Holy Spirit who makes your steps sure. The power of the Holy Spirit. You need to have power. You already have passion. But I'm saying this morning, if you allow the power of God to control the passion of your life, then you will live to see the fruit of that. And it's going to be good fruit. When you live with the power of God and you allow His passion to follow you, you allow His passion to arrest you, you allow His passion to guide you, then there are going to be some things that you're going to do and it may not make sense to your family members. It may not make sense to your friends. And by the way, the friends that you have now that you're so... so and this is, this is not just for high schoolers, adults. Some of these friends that we have right now that we are so itching to impress, 
where are they 10 years from now? I just received an alumni letter from Dexter, Kansas, where I graduated. And I, I don't even, it's been a while. It's been over 20 years. And I, and, and I love every single one of them, and I truly mean that. But I, I'll tell you this right now, that one of those classmates I have, have already passed on at our young age. Life's short. And not only that, but, but uh, most of them I don't have any contact with to this day. It doesn't mean that I don't want to. But sometimes we invest things in things right now. Why? Because it's our passion right now. What I'm saying to you is God wants to reroute your passion, but He's going to start with empowering you. He's going to start with empowering you. He's going to start by saying, and you shall receive power. You will re you'll receive it. He's not going to force it on you. You're going to receive that power when the condition, Holy Spirit, comes upon you. And then there's a three or there's a four-stage ripple effect. He said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That starts at home. In all Judea, that was the surrounding area. In Samaria, that was the outskirts and the, the ends of the earth. That was the fourth ripple effect. It's a beautiful, graceful ripple effect that God causes in our life. It's going to be messy. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. It's going to be messy. But I'm telling you what right now, I would rather go through the mess of life with the power of God than be absent of the power of God. Because I have nothing. I have nothing this morning of personal value. I have nothing that I have gained. Anything that I have gained I count as loss, as Paul said, because the only thing I have claim to is the cross of Jesus Christ and the risen Savior and Lord. He is risen. So I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. I know that some of you drum right seniors are thinking, man, I, I got to listen to this again next Sunday night. And the reality is I'm, I'm going to draft one of you to speak it for me next Sunday night. I'm just kidding. I just want you to breathe easy for just a moment and just listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to his voice. You've been listening to mine now for about half an hour or so and just listen to his voice. So I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say right now, I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, that you are stirring and working and moving right now in this place. I thank you, Lord, that as we stand here in honor of you that you are all sufficient and I hear your spirit saying that you are enough God I thank you for any person in this room who's feeling your draw Holy Spirit that would say I receive you I receive you 
God, I thank you for the boldness that they have, to, the humility they have to say that out of their heart. I receive you. God, I receive you. I receive you. And Father, I thank you for the power of Holy Spirit just descending right now on this room. On every mother and every father and every student, every individual, God, every man and every woman, every child, we receive your power right now. We receive power of Holy Spirit right now, right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for a great exchange that's going on in this room, even now, where the weights and the pressures of this world of keeping up, of impressing, of trying to make it, of, of making claims that we can't back up, I thank you that all of those can be pushed to the side and we can simply receive power of Holy Spirit in our life. I thank you, God, that you are enough. Not only that, you're more than enough. God, and you are able to meet every need and exceed every expectation. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, you know in a moment we're going to pray a blessing over our seniors. But right now, I just ask you to bless every person in this room right now. I just want every person, place your hand on your heart, if you will. Father, I pray, bless this heart in the name of Jesus. Bless, bless this heart, God, this vessel, this life. Make us usable. Make us ready. Make us, Lord, uh, in, a, in a place where we're no longer following our passions. Forgive us. Forgive me of that, Lord, where I've followed my passions. It's led me astray. God, it's one thing if it's food. It's another thing, Lord, if it's, it's going down the path of darkness. Father, thank you for rescuing me that day when I wanted to give up on life and you said, no, keep walking, keep walking. Keep walking. I thank you for telling someone that right now in this room. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep trusting. Healing is on the way. Better days are ahead. You are valuable. You're needed on the earth. You're needed on the earth. You're special. Father, I thank you that you make such beauty out of what other people think is a mess. There is there, therefore now no condemnation. I thank you, Lord, that all judgment is canceled out of this room in the name of Jesus. All condemnation is canceled out of this room in the name of Jesus. Guilt and shame, you have to go out of this room. And Father, we just receive your grace right now. We receive your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I heard the Spirit of God just say it now again. Not only is he saying I'm enough, but this is what God is saying to someone in this room. You belong. You do belong. You do belong. You're not an outcast. You're not an outcast. It doesn't matter if people look down at you. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he died for you. And he gave his all for you. And he is not mad at you. He has not forsaken you. God loves you. He loves you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.